we're live. We're live. We're live. Where are we, Brian? We are. We're, we're, we're in the same place. We're, we're literally sitting in the exact same spot. Suggestion. I agree. Um, and so we're we're still. With, you know, we are at Dell EMC World 2017, and uh, it is day four. Day four. Which is officially known as the Hangover. Absolutely. <laughs> it Absolutely. is. It's conference hangover. It's party hangover, and it's. I'm hungover, and my, my arms are sore, and I want you to understand that my arms are sore for a reason. Tell, Did tell you just us. fly in? <laughs> oh, wow. So you guys are going to regret this guest. We're so sorry. Um, my arms are sore because I held them above my head, holding my iPhone 7, recording Gwen Stefani like the fanboy that I am for an hour and a half straight. And I got some mad video. And can it was we, old can we stuff? hear your like, uh, high-pitched screaming? On the video, you, you can think? hear my voice as a result of my high pitch <laughs> screaming, and that's all you need to know. Did you do any right. old school, no doubt things? Yeah, uh, no doubt that I am. I am a Harajuku girl, <laughs> and that ish was bananas. Mm. Like B A N A N A S. Yeah. Yeah. So look, let's let's get serious. Okay. Let's. I'm gonna put my. Why are we even here today? We are here. We are here. We are here. We are live. We are having fun. We are happy because we had another day of audio issues. Remind me to bring my own mixing board in the future because I actually have a Mackie that can do three mics. I'm going to bring my own from now on. So, Brian, next year, bring your own board. Yeah, I mean, how ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, when you share a community table, I, by the way, I love the like the podcasting station. We shared it with the source. I, think, I don't know if Speaking in Tech came in here and did it, um, but lots of on-prem uh, not premise on oh, premises okay. uh, on premises uh, podcasts were recorded right here. So many intelligent people, but we got some of the best. And anyways, uh, but next year we're bringing our own gear because they we can't share it with these people. No, no, because they're heathens. Yeah, uh, you know, like filthy casuals who don't know how to use a mixing board. It's like yeah, DJ dedicated infrastructure. Yes, no multi tenancy. No multi. Not for me. Not yeah. for me. I have You're too special. I have serious expectations of my hardware and what I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna drive it to the edge and it's yeah, gonna yeah. sound great. Anyways, um, I, I've said I like 52 times, and we're not in Mississippi, nothing like that. So um, we are going to move on, and we're going to talk about technology for real. And so welcome to the hot aisle. I am one of your hosts, Brian Carpenter. I'm the one hogging the mic, and with me... I, I, I am Brent Piotti. Nice. And, and of course, we brought a guest because we always do that, and uh, the goal of this show is to talk about... Microsoft Azure Stack, um, and frankly, I'm going to learn so much because I started my world at Microsoft, but I've so soon forgotten where I came from. I forgot who brought me to the dance, the technology dance. I've forgotten, Shame and I want to get back. Shame on me, but I, I'm pretty sure uh, that she is beautiful, and I can't wait to meet her again. <laughs> Anyways, um, we want to talk about hybrid cloud, multi-cloud, all these other kind of models, and uh, frankly, we're going to talk a little bit about announcements that happened once again here at Dell EMC World, and to do that, somebody way smarter than myself and only just like a skosh smarter than Brent, we have Paul Gaugen. Paul, welcome to the hot aisle. Thank you. I feel like, uh, you know, I've arrived. I'm a big fan of the podcast, and I'm like, wow. They're really asked me to be here, yeah. and I've, I've just been so giddy. Yeah, we giddy all day. We were a little, we were so. a little hesitant based on some of your tweets, <laughs> um, but we're going to bring you in. So, okay. uh, Brent, take it away. All right, Paul. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Of course, uh, it's been a, it's been a long night and an early morning. So let's get to this. So, Paul, first of all, tell us who you are and what you do and and why we should care. All right. So uh, I am uh, I'm Paul Galgen and. Uh, I am currently I currently lead the product management and engineering efforts um, here at Dell EMC for our recently announced Azure Stack, uh, Microsoft Azure Stack. So uh, this is the hybrid cloud platform, um, the, the on-premises portion of the hybrid cloud platform that uh, that will bring basically Azure services into customer data centers and to manage service providers to provide a completely consistent experience, uh, cons consistent Azure experience across virtually any location and including including in completely dis disconnected situations. So think of situations like airplanes, submarines with limited or no connectivity. That's, uh, that's the magic of it. So I have a quick question because uh, you say 
consistent experience. You know, people used Amazon, and then they said, we're going to make a consistent experience on-prem for Amazon, and then somebody made this thing called OpenStack, or at least that's my story <laughs> around OpenStack, yeah. um, and it's not consistent. So just a real quick question, because I'm curious and um, um, being disruptive. How consistent is it? All right, so at the core of both Azure and Azure Stack is, uh, is an API layer called the Azure Resource Manager. This is what you're talking to when you go out to Azure and you provision a virtual machine or um, or you toss a, a like a, a Lambda equivalent, like an Azure function against public Azure or Azure Stack, you're actually leveraging the Azure Resource Manager API. Um, that API between Azure and Azure Stack is consistent. So you're, the development that you do against public Azure is completely portable um, to Azure Stack. And so one of the most powerful demos that Microsoft does is, is just in Visual Studio, and it's, it, it's really unremarkable until you think about the implications. There, you, I think Chad showed one of these demos the other day where um, customer or a developer was developing, uh, was creating a template, a SharePoint template, and the only way that you could tell when you went to, from Visual Studio to go deploy that was uh, was the location, the name of the Azure resource, uh, the Azure region, right? So it was uh, US West, public Azure, or your own private Azure stack. Um, so it is completely consistent from that perspective, and, and that's a really, really powerful thing, because uh, what customers are faced with a really difficult choice right now, because uh, they, can, they can choose to do cloud native, um, or they can choose uh, they can choose to go to the public cloud, or they can choose to deploy on premises. And if they and if they want to deploy on premises, uh, particularly independent software vendors, they don't have like a predictable platform that a lot of customers are going to be running. So when you think about an application that's complex, like a multi-layer application, that, um, like SharePoint, for example, where where that's an application that really could use some object storage, for example. It could really use some microservices to be able to fire up indexing and things like that. Um, but they can't, they can't deploy on premises, they can't leverage these new cloud technologies because those are only available typically in public cloud. And uh, so what Azure Stack promises to do is make these, these uh, cloud services accessible to customers um, virtually in any location. So. We should rewind, I got excited. And we got all the way up in Azure Stack, but we should rewind because I love to get to know people. <laughs> okay. We should. Yeah, yeah. We should. We went, man, I mean, that was really, honestly, we could probably cut the podcast off in six minutes, publish that, and everybody would understand Azure <laughs> Stack better than they ever did before. <laughs> but what I really want to understand is uh, the man, Paul Galgen, as well. Who am I? Yeah, so and, we're going to just, legend. we're going to tap the brakes. You were learning tech, and now you're going to learn Paul real quick. Yeah, Paul. All so right. what led you to be chosen to become the guy that's running an engineering and cool practice within Dell EMC, specifically around Microsoft and, and Azure. Right, right. Um, so it's been a long journey. I, I started my career in IT um, probably around the, the turn of the century, hmm. uh, way back in, in 1999, 2000 timeframe. I had been working, I actually don't have a tech degree, don't tell anybody. This isn't going live. No, it's not live. You can edit this in post, right? Yeah. So I had actually, uh, I actually had a the, my introduction to tech was uh, was working on a DARPA contract. That uh, it was uh, we were working on a program in support of the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty, and uh, so I was doing policy work because I have a history degree, and uh, and so. I got assigned to uh, to these program managers at DARPA because it's very technical treaty, and um, the it was just such a great experience. I got I got introduced to a lot of different people and mentored by by a couple of brilliant folks. I mean, one of them ended up going to head up uh, to be the CEO of W three C. Another one had worked on the Apollo program and had been in charge of all the real time data processing, but the. The, the reason it was really a technical treaty was that they were using um, 
gathering data from around the world. It was a real big data project in the 1990s, 1980s. Um, you're gathering up seismic data and doing analysis and we're implementing neural nets on Solaris and things like that. Um, and then we were going to donate that to, um, to the international community. And so it was a really technical treaty. I got, um, I got mentored and, and really introduced to systems and it decided I really wanted to work in tech. And, and I actually started running one of the first nodes, uh, this data center that I had run that we we're detecting nuclear tests with. Um, was actually one of the original nodes on the ARPANET. So uh, it was a lot of fun and um, did that for a couple of years and uh, went into to be a reseller and then I joined, uh, joined NetApp and figured storage was a way to go. And uh, I went to, uh, I spent a few years at NetApp working in the federal space, working a lot with the Marine Corps, doing some really rewarding work there and, uh, and then joined EMC about eight years ago and, and here I am. I've been kicking around in the application space for a while. So. Well, so don't feel bad. We've Some of our most brilliant guests do not have a technical degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love hearing that every yeah. time. <laughs> By the way, my degree is literally like business management, which Same is here. like Brian doesn't do math. I don't I don't math. I tried you know? to go get a computer science degree and, you know, at, at A&M, which is not even that hard of a school. And, um, I, you know, I went to my first, you know, my first semester of school and there's this calculus stuff, and it hurt my brain. Um, you know, so I'm no Chad Sackich. I can't do. Uh, I don't, dude. He he literally started his session this week, and he goes, "Hey, so uh, how many of you in here love math?" And uh, all oh, those yes. other, and, he, and it, like the room is like crickets. And he's like, "Well, that died." And you know, so moving on. It's great. So, um, anyways, yeah. Uh, philosophy, history, business. I have two customers who are. Uh, Marines that are both VPs of IT right now. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, the transition is possible for anybody to become a technical person. I mean, look you at know, you. I worked. I worked yeah. for a few years with the Marine Corps. They were, um, they were one of my accounts over at NetApp, and uh, and actually, I, I focused purely on the Marine Corps for a while. And I was, uh, I'm a Navy brat myself, um, so that was flavoring my my perception going in. But I very quickly. Um, got turned on that. They great group, of, great group, and so much fun to work with. So much fun to work with. Them. Absolutely. So yeah. um, clearly, you became a principal engineer. You focused on Microsoft within right. Dell EMC. You've been doing it for a while, and they, they mm-hmm. came to you and said they tapped you on the shoulder like Paul. Oh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start doing this thing. Tell tell me how how it came about. First of all, uh, that you know your your our, our partnership with Microsoft, and then why we started to go to market and choose an Azure stack and try to build something with, with that partnership. Right. So, um, you know, it was, it was one of those things that the, the Dell partnership with Microsoft is, is extraordinarily tight. Um, and without a compute, without a compute offering, you're not going to be able to do something like Azure stack. So this was really, this was really part of the, uh, part of the merger, um, that came out of the merger. Now the reality is is that we've been doing converged platforms here at EMC for eight years, and we've been doing cloud platforms for three and a half now, you know, with EHC. So there's a lot of learnings that we have, you know, from a corporate tribal knowledge perspective, um, in delivering these systems. We've already made the mistakes, and so the logical place to put it was in was in our converged platforms and systems division under Peter Cutts. So uh, you know, when when Azure Stack. Um, when Azure Stack came about, it was uh, the logical place to put it was there. And I was talking to uh, Peter Cutts, and uh, he needed a leader for uh, for product development, and and uh, here I am. Yeah, and so there. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot. How do you how do you kind of like? There's always a lot of people who start out as an engineer, and then end up in something where you know you're doing like a solutions delivery right and mm-hmm. um, and then there's you're now you're now essentially doing um, you know product management type stuff right so is there was there ever a mental thing where you're like mm, I'm not gonna be an engineer anymore like you know it was such a it was such as the my my transition here at uh, at, at Dell uh, in EMC 
I've always just been a really vocal person. Um, it's just a complete lack of self-awareness, and I suppose. <laughs> um, I talk a lot, and I express my opinions a lot. And so what that ended up happening was I started hooking up with our, um, our solutions folks and our product folks because they would think about, okay, well, what does the field think? And so even before I became a leader um, at EMC, product management would kind of seek me out. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And um, before you know it, I was, I was actually involved in the, you know, in the product definition stages and things like that at a very light level. So I got a lot of familiarity with the product development process um, even before I entered product development. And so it's been, um, I'm not going to say easy because I'm, I'm learning so much every day. And in an environment like this, particularly where there's just this extraordinary close partnership with, with Microsoft working with another partner, it's, uh, it's, really, it's really rewarding and it's, it's a big change. But, you know, to get back to your question, it, it, it's just a matter of being, being vocal, expressing opinions, and, you know. Yeah, I'm on a lot of distro groups with you since yeah. we're, in, we're in the same family, and uh, I love it. I'm pretty loud, you, aren't yeah, I? Yeah, you're yeah. just fine. Just keep doing it. So speaking of opinions, I want to get yours. So uh, right scale, there's a 2017 state of cloud report that says that hybrid cloud is the preferred enterprise strategy for cloud deployment. So first question, in your opinion, what does it mean to be a hybrid cloud? And then the second is, do you agree with the study that it is going to be the preferred strategy for cloud deployment? I, I, I do agree. I'm going to answer the second question first. I agree that hybrid cloud is, is, the, is how people are going to want to consume information technology moving forward. Now, for me, when you think about hybrid cloud, a lot of people, my initial thinking was, well, I want to vMotion my workloads into public cloud back and forth. And, um, that's what hybrid cloud meant to me early on. My thinking on it has really evolved um, to its consistent APIs, being able to deploy anywhere, connected or disconnected from the, um, from the internet. It's about providing consistent platform as a service offerings, um, regardless of the location of where the services are running. And um, this is why I've, I've really bought into the, uh, into the Azure Stack vision because that truly is what it is. It's, uh, it's this ecosystem of public Azure with massive scale, thousand, uh, thousand node cluster scale units and just huge data centers. It's managed service providers who can host your, host your information and keep it, keep it um, you know, within the bounds of your regulatory requirements. Or it's on-premises or it's completely disconnected in a in a tent in Afghanistan or in a submarine or in an airplane. Um, that is hybrid cloud and delivering, being able to deploy an application unmodified to any one of those locations, that is hybrid cloud in my opinion. And, and you've, described, you've described something, I mean, you obviously described that very well. Um, and then if we look at you, it's specifically your job as well as Microsoft and the job they have to do, um, there's obviously a belief that you could do that all. Uh, certainly, I mean, fundamentally, there's a belief you could do that all in Azure Stack, like 100% of your cloud mm. development, your workloads. Like, basically, if it is, if workload, then yes, Azure or Azure Stack or whatever. Um, so, but there's also this prevailing concept of multi-cloud, and frankly, they're the idea that, well, of course, there's no one size that fits all. Uh, I mean, you're in a family of people who make things for, VMware, which has a pretty good cloud offering. Uh, Microsoft clearly has a very good cloud offering. There's even Google Cloud Platform and, yeah. and Amazon and all these other things. Um, and uh, we won't say the O word again, you know. So, um, but Oracle, yeah, not, not them either. <laughs> There's a lot of O words. Yeah. O is the new F. Um, and so, you know, uh, do you do you believe that it's it's a hybrid cloud? Like, you know, basically, you, you're Azure Stack and you're done. Or do you really? You know, I mean, are you pretty pragmatic about it? Uh, so, I read a Forbes article, and sometimes I read Forbes, <laughs> but I, I came across it on Twitter, and they did a uh, they did a survey of like 1,500 enterprises, and they asked them how many 
how many cloud providers, how many relationships with cloud providers do you have? And the average, the average was six and a half. Wow. And um, I, I believe that. I think that there is never one answer to a particular problem. And uh, th this is why APIs are really important. And I, I see a lot of managed service providers, they want to provide the kind of stack that their customers that their customers want. They want their workloads to be deployed on the cloud with the right capabilities that, that, the, that the workload demands. And so that Azure Resource Manager API is really what's critical. So you can take something like a ServiceNow and abstract all your multi-clouds underneath and, um, and deliver it. Now, Azure Stack, though, has some really unique capabilities, the capabilities to scale down to four nodes. Um, that, that's really very, very cool. Yeah, that's cool. So, um, and so, so now, I mean, you've said a lot of really interesting things, right? So, first of all, northbound extensibility is is a kind of a key tenant of Azure Stack. So, things like being able to kind of layer them all with ServiceNow, which you could put over some of your other on-prem cloud type tools, is mm -hmm. is definitely a standard. Yeah, okay. yeah, um, it is something that that will work, and and it's the reality is is it's an API. The provisioning and management APIs are just APIs. Okay. Um, so. It, it, it's a, there's a lot of customization, um, potential for customization. But it, it can also be a standalone, it can also be a standalone offering. Awesome. And so the other thing is now, you, you, you know, I think about if I water down the world a little bit and then I also sort of, for now, sort of, um, and, and this may be a key differentiator here, is, is there a com direct comparison between what is, you know, um, VMware Cloud Foundation and things like that, which to me is IaaS and, you know, at, in, in a well-run and very turnkey environment might might even be IT as a service, right? Like more than just the infrastructure itself, more than just the VM, all the services around it. Azure Stack, in my mind, sounds like Azure, you know, and it's, hey, develop things and there's underlying services, which looks a little bit closer to a platform. So yes. my first question is, can you differentiate to me as Azure Stack closer to platform, or is it IaaS, or is it both, or help me understand that. Yeah, so it's a little bit of both, but primarily platform. Okay. I want to be, you know, just really clear about that. With uh, So, there is an infrastructure as a service component, you can consume VMs. You, there are so few, and, and the early days of Azure really proved this out, where they really only offered PaaS initially. Um, there are so few has pure PaaS applications out there that you really need to have a facility to provide virtual networking and, and virtual machines. But that's not really where Microsoft is focused with this. And if you look at how they're competing, um, their competitor really isn't isn't VMware here. They're not, they're not after the infrastructure as a service. Um, they know that there will be some incidental drag of infrastructure as a service along with the PaaS offering but they're really focused on bringing the Azure platform as a service offerings on-premises. Things like Azure Object, Azure Tables, Azure Queues, Azure Functions, uh, VM scale sets, web APIs, uh, mobile APIs, all of those things will be, will be accessible on-premises. And that's really what, where they want their customers to focus. To the extent, interestingly, that they, to my awareness, they don't have any migration tools for infrastructure as a service. You know, if they were really targeting, you know, VMware workloads, they'd be, they'd be out there writing, writing VMware migration tools to bring it onto, to, onto Azure Stack. But that's not really who they're competing with. They're competing with Amazon and Google have completely orthogonal visions for what cloud is. Um, AWS, if it's cloud, it's in their data center. Google, if it's cloud, it's in their data center. And, um, and I think that's that's really key. What where they're what workloads they're really trying to target. And you know, interestingly, if you look, if you think about how Microsoft is approaching this versus AWS, AWS their their uh, their approach to hybrid cloud is to bring the workload to the cloud. 
That's the whole VMware and AWS play, or on AWS. Is it in or on AWS? I don't, I yes. Know. <laughs> oh, yes, okay. Um, this is not like premise and premises. <laughs> There's a clear definition. In or on, I think it's fine, right? Okay, like, okay. you know, in you might be running. Around. What? In or around. Okay. In, on, or around. <laughs> abouts. Yeah. I put my workload, abouts AWS. Go ahead, Paul. Sorry. They're arounds. All right. So, uh, so they're really bringing the workload to the cloud and with... With Azure, they're bringing the cloud to the workload. And ultimately, I think the biggest target addressable market is bringing the cloud to the workload. Um, because there are so many there are so many situations where um, even network connectivity issues will prevent being able to do cloud processing with AWS. You think about, you know, the, uh, the A330. I think each engine on an A380 generates 500 terabytes an hour of data. Wow. Or multiple terabytes of data an hour of operation. And, you know, this Internet of Things, you're really, the network, the Internet, is just really not going to be up to the task for a lot of applications, particularly as we approach big data and IoT workloads and start really ramping those up. Um, Edge Cloud is really is really a play here and, and Microsoft has a clear vision with um, with this first stage of hybrid cloud and then edge cloud and I think that Dell EMC can bring a lot to the table. We have a lot of intellectual property around analytics integration module and PCF and things like that that can help. So tell me, um, so Azure Stack is still in tech preview today. It's tech pre preview three. Right. Which is the last one before GA. Uh, they keep That's updating they it. Say, yes, right? it's uh, they, there won't be a TP4 but there's a TP3U. <laughs> so they keep adding they keep adding um, capabilities. So like for example, I think when TP3 first dropped, functions wasn't in there, their lambda equivalent. Um, and now it is, right? So uh, but we actually have a uh, a single node developer edition um, that runs TP3. And you can download it and install it on any machine you want as long as it's got the, the capabilities, you know, the amount of RAM and cores and all that. But uh, we, we basically created a, a platform that, uh, that makes it very, very easy, very predictable. And people are buying them by the dozen um, because what's ending up happening is that it's not just a method to um, preview Azure Stack. It's also a development target. It's like uh, you know, for what, for like ten thousand bucks, you can give your developer their own personal Azure region, and they go off and they develop their code and they run their code, and then they can deploy it to Azure, uh, to public Azure. So it's not just really uh, an Azure Stack evaluator. And um, Microsoft is also committed to continuing single node after GA. So, uh, so we we think that that is actually a very very great way to get started today and, and continue in, in a development test environment. So uh, this got launched, from my understanding, January of last year. They just came out with the tech previews for Azure mm -hmm. Stack. I remember Azure Pack, yeah. and I, I don't know what if those are differentiated at all or if Pack is gone completely and Stack is just kind of like the new, the new, new. What's so, yeah, Azure Stack is definitely the new shiny. Um, Azure Pack uh, was a way to deliver an Azure-like experience, but not an Azure-consistent experience. Ah. So it was built on Hyper-V, heavily dependent on System on System Center with Virtual Man Virtual Machine Manager, and then basically a portal on top of it. Um, and it looked like Azure, um, and in some ways it behaved a lot like Azure, but it wasn't completely consistent. I couldn't write an application, deploy it. And then, and then off I go in the way that Azure Stack is. Now that having been said, there there are offerings out there that are turnkey solutions, and Dell, e, Dell EMC is one of the offerers of those solutions. We have the uh, Cloud Platform Premium and Cloud Cloud Platform Standard. Um, if customers have bought those or want to buy those, uh, there's a, an Azure Pack connector um, for Azure Stack. So you'll be able to view into, from Azure Stack, view into Azure Pack workloads 
but ultimately the idea will be to bring those into Azure. I, th I think that consistent experience yeah. is really what's going to um, allow people to adopt without feeling, I don't know, I, that has to be there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, so like from my perception, um, I remember all the different Azure announcements of like, hey, you're going to get this on-prem and you're going to get this on-prem and you're going to get this. Um, and I see Microsoft's general strategy shift over the past three to five years of cloud first, cloud development first, and then deploy to an on-prem solution second, right? So they, they're like, Azure Cloud is number one now, and then everything else is number two. An example of that is like uh, Office and Exchange. Mm -hmm. Office 365 gets all the development first, and then the on-prem version, version drags. Um, is, it, and then we see how long Azure stack and things took um, and there's a general perception from mine that it was like, why did it take so long? So, yeah. I mean, do you, like when people say, man, why did this take so long to get out? And yeah. they're not the only ones, by the way. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, um, you look at things like uh, uh, VMware's uh, STDC stack, right? And, and uh, the, the, you know, like Evo STDC and how long that took to get there. Yeah. I think it might just be harder than the companies even think when they announce these kind of fully turnkey things. Yeah. Why, why, what's your answer for why yeah. it took so long? Well, Brian, it turns out this shit is hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, there went so, our rating, our, oh, our PC sorry. rating again. Oh, damn. Don't, don't yeah. worry about it. I swear all the time. All you okay. military people. <laughs> Potty mouths. Oh, man. Filthy. So the reality is is that uh, there were a lot of dependencies on Windows 2016 to get this initial version out. Um, there's, uh, it's, it's just taken a little bit longer. Scaling down is difficult. The Azure... The Azure Stack cluster, the the public Azure cluster is 1,024 nodes. That's their stamp size, right? Getting that into um, a, a platform size that can fit on, you know, 100 cores with a half a terabyte of RAM, um, that, is a, that is a heavy lift. That having been said, I see things happening, and, uh, and we are very close to launch, and it's awesome. But one of the things that you, I'm going to auger in a little bit on one of the things that you said about uh, public cloud versus, uh, Give it versus to me. private cloud. Give it to me. So you said that uh, something along the lines that we're going to do public first and, and everything else is second. It's a second, almost like a second class citizen. But I'm going to call your attention to Azure Functions. Azure Functions, their serverless offering, was introduced months ago in public Azure. It's already available in technical Microsoft is very, very much focused on getting that consistent experience regardless of location. So they really want customers to decide on their public versus private. They want their decision to be made not on stupid things like price or uh, they want it to be driven by the, uh, by the business requirements of that particular app. So um, what I've seen from Microsoft is a very, very rapid, particularly everything that sits above the Azure Resource Manager line, a very, very rapid focus on and, getting things on stack. And maybe again, maybe again, it's their goal of we want Azure adoption. So you want to, you clearly want to prioritize something like getting on-prem Azure because it's going to motivate people to take that workload, pick it up, and then leverage off-prem as well, right? Right, right. Uh, yeah, it's. I, I would say that it's not necessarily something that it, they're they're designing it as an on ramp to Azure. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit of a. I, I think that's just paranoia. Um, and particularly, I don't. I don't have a problem with it. By the way, yeah. I'm okay with it. I mean, business <laughs> yeah. is business. I mean, everybody right. wants you to consume as much of their infrastructure as possible. Mm -hmm. Everybody, um, and I'm okay with that. I believe you know if you can walk into something and go, you, I can solve all your problems. That's a great relationship. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's crazy to think that it's you know that somebody could actually say something like oh that won't work there like mm -hmm. that has to be possible but otherwise you should be able to try to solve all their problems yeah as a vendor yeah. um the so but like i i don't think they have a priority to and this is just like my my personal opinion like they don't have a priority for me to run exchange on-prem Right? right. Whereas they do have a priority to get me to develop better applications against great APIs yeah. that can run anywhere, whether it be on or off prem. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, so that's right. And I'm okay with that. I was just curious. Like, I was trying to expose is my opinion valid to the strategy. Yeah. So, 
Microsoft is a big company. Each business group is going to be a little bit different. Each each program group is going to be a little bit different in their approach. But if you look at something like uh, something like SharePoint, the SharePoint I, I think I touched on SharePoint is one of those you know, potentially complicated applications with multiple tiers, they're all in on Azure Stack. That's one of the key use cases for the initial version of Azure Stack. They want people to be deploying on-premises. If, they, if they're deploying on-premises, they want people to deploy, um, to deploy on Stack because it provides that predictable platform. It gives the application developers, the SharePoint application developers, access to all those rich resources in the Azure in the Azure ecosystem. And you'll find the same thing with like Dynamics. And so what's interesting is that those two applications, those are both part of Office 365. Um, but they're also, they also realize that people want to, want to deploy them on premises and they still want to have access to rich cloud infrastructure. So you brought up um, you know, kind of the marketplace, the ecosystem, the, the different um, offerings available within Stack. So Tech Preview 3, we already talked about the fact that um, functions as a service or serverless was there. What else was cool from TP3? So if you, if you kind of crack open the box, you'll see uh, VM scale sets, you'll see uh, all the, you know, the, the little infrastructure as a service stuff. But uh, you'll see Azure Object, Azure Tables, Azure Queues, like, like RabbitMQ equivalent, right? Um, you'll see um, you'll see the web app and mobile APIs. Uh, but the Azure Stack Marketplace is also a very is also a very cool way to consume applications, and I believe that this is really going to change how people once once this ecosystem achieves a certain amount of ubiquity. What you're going to see, I think, is independent software vendors flocking to the Azure marketplace. Because when you think about it, so Pivotal Cloud Foundry is the number one application in the Azure marketplace today. It's popular from a consumer perspective because this is a complex platform if you want to set it up yourself. I think there's like over 50 VMs in a PCF instance. And uh, PCF can create an offering in the marketplace that automatically deploys that and gets downloaded or uh, deploys it into public Azure in a very predictable, very from, from a PCF perspective, very supportable manner. It's hard to screw it up if it's all automated, right? And um, the Azure Stack Marketplace allows the cloud administrators on-premises to take stuff from the public Azure Marketplace and toss it into Azure Stack. So if you think about the implications of that, that's a very supportable experience. They're taking, um, from an ISV perspective, you're taking a lot of the variability out of, out of, uh, out of uh, uh, an application deployment. And uh, you know, my motto is ruthless standardization and marketplace and marketplace syndication really drive that. Absolutely. So, this marketplace, how many apps are in there today? It's like four thousand, over four thousand. So, Pivotal Cloud Foundry is number one. Number one driver of um, Azure consumption. Wow, it is stunning. Yeah, that that actually kind of that. I mean, that honestly kind of blows my mind. You know, it, frankly, um, so there. I mean, you you mentioned a lot of really cool things. Uh, you know, I did want to hit on it a little bit just because we recently had a, a blockchain podcast. Is there a is there another corporation's product behind the blockchain, or is it Azure delivering blockchain type stuff? I think it's Azure delivering blockchain, but I can, I can do do a little bit of research. I've been somebody else really focused that. on getting yeah. the, getting the integrated system out. There. Yeah, I mean, I, I just find it I find it fascinating, right? I mean, like um, it is like do, to your point. I mean, they're really putting some stuff in here, like the the functions as a service. I think is really impressive. Uh, things like that. So these are. Uh, like I said, in the very beginning of this thing, I'm going to learn a lot. Um, and this is one of the ones where I'm going to learn a ton. So go ahead. The, uh, so so we, we're talking about ruthless standardization, uh, a experience that is, um, you know, I guess equal on on-premises and off-premises. Is there a 100% parity between the, the, um, the services that are available today um, 
in public Azure and then in Azure Stack, or is there some disparity between the two? There is, there is a, a difference between the two. Um, Microsoft, so for example, SQL Azure is a GA plus thing, right? It's not going to be available initially. Um, you can run SQL in Azure Stack in VMs like you would. Um, it's actually a very popular way of consuming SQL. Um, but the actual SQL paths is not going to be there. Um, it will be in the future. The aspirational goal is to get as many of those Azure services onto Azure Stack as they possibly can. So you can think of that things like blockchain as a service being integrated into Azure Stack, and that would also implicate um, that would also have implications for um, how we might architect our hardware. You know, do we need GPUs in our in our integrated system? Things like that um, are are decisions that would that would impact our our hardware platform. And and specifically, and it sounds like I just messed up the microphone there. Uh, so, and specifically, you know, one of the things that you mentioned um, was, uh, you know, I lost my thought because I can't hear myself on the microphone. <laughs> so you're just going to have to go ahead and okay, so, jump right all over, Brent. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a question for you. Um, that clearly, was real there's a consumption model for public Azure, right? That That's that's very real and, and, and easy to understand. What does it look like in the on-premises Azure Good stack question. world? Yeah. So um, there is a capacity-based model for Microsoft that you could say, all right, I've got this Azure stack with X number of CPUs and uh, and I want to do, I just want to buy it through my enterprise agreement, right? Um, so that's a capacity-based model. It's relatively uninteresting, and um, but you can consume it that way. The preferred method of, cons of consumption will be um, the same way that you consume it through public Azure. So per gigabyte per hour, per um, core per hour. Um, some of the things won't be available, like for example, functions. You pay for that in public Azure through transactions. They're probably going to have to find a different way to um, a different way to to measure that. But it's all going to be on a on a on a consumption basis. And what's interesting about it is if you saw our announcements around how we're we're doing um, more flexible consumption of the hardware. You can marry that up to a, a, a complete all-in flexible consumption model that follows um, the public cloud consumption model much more closely. It allows you to do a lot more effective cost comparisons between public cloud and what you might be able to do with Azure Stack. And it also allows you to do a lot more flexible transparency if you're doing chargeback or showback to your customers, or to your end users, to your business units. So I guess what I'm, if, if we look at all the studies that are out there, public cloud traditionally is more expensive, right, than a on-premises, well-run hybrid cloud. What are the, what are going to become? You touched on this earlier. Like you don't want to focus on price, but I mean, in, in, inevitably it comes yeah. up. So how are customers choosing if the consumption model is it going to um, is it going to cost the same on prem versus off? And then at what point? I mean, how can a customer achieve the same level of of scale and economies of scale yeah. like that? They're, that Microsoft is buying hardware at versus what uh, the the customer is going to buy on their own. Yeah, yeah. So. When, when I say that they're going to charge on a per core per hour, or PVM per hour, that kind of thing, that rea in reality, um, th what you would pay for if you're just using Azure Stack is less than what you would pay for if you were pu consuming public Azure. So it's going to be, it's going to be you know, just reflective of the fact that you're running your own infrastructure. Um, I expect that there will be a price difference. The, the real differences are going to come in how efficient a customer can be, how large are their clusters, how much overhead are they at, you know, what are, how efficient are they with their administration. Um, and this is one thing where I think uh, Dell EMC is going to bring a lot of value to the table. We do a lot of the patch and update maintenance, 
We do a lot of, uh, we're going to be focusing on a lot of automation around, um, around things like backup and security and things like that. So, um, so I think that we're going to be able to do a lot of the grunt work that are, that's associated with running one of these, with these, one, running one of these systems and, uh, allow the customers to focus on what's above the, uh, the, the value line, um, and what differentiates them from their, their own competitors and things like that. And is the, is the level of turnkey on this something to the effect of, uh, um, you know, Hey, it's gonna, it's going to drop into your environment and a random person can fill in, you know, seven or eight or you know, 500 IP addresses, a couple other things, and off and running? Or is it a uh, one, you know, is it a half day? Is it a full day? Is it three days? Do we even know this yet? Okay. It should be about a one to two day engagement to get this delivered and integrated. Uh-huh. You know, obviously, depending on what, you know, <laughs> how difficult it is to get it onto your floor, for example. But from start to finish, one to two days. The It will come from the factory preloaded, pre-racked, um, and uh, preloaded with Azure Stack software. The Azure Stack installation should take hours, not days. Um, it is fully automated. So you think of it, you know, I know Dell EMC folks think of it like a VX rack, not a VX rail. It's inclusive in network. But the actual installation process will go out and not just configure the nodes, but it'll, it'll configure ACLs on the switches, things like that. All completely automated once you've filled in the parameters that are specific to your um, that are specific to your environment. Um, but more importantly than just deployment, because you only do that once per cluster, it's it's the operational day-to-day patch and update that we are automating as well. So when we we will deliver a single patch payload that will update your switches, your nodes, your hardware lifecycle host, the firmware on your hard drives. It will automate that entire process so that you have a compliant, predictable platform and you're not spending days wondering why the BIOS on your on your motherboard, on your, the third node on your fourth Azure stack is not compliant. Um, we automate all of that throughout the entire lifecycle because you install once, you're going to be patching on a, you know, one to three month basis. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to make sure we slipped into this conversation and it's very easy for us because we've been here all week and we've heard the announcements, but we just slipped into the conversation of the announcement Ooh. of Azure Stack on Dell EMC hardware with services. So let's quickly talk about that, uh, when it was released and um, just kind of the high level, you know, kind of blurb about it. because. We kind of sure. dissected it before yeah, we announced it. Yeah, so what we announced was that we're going to market with Microsoft, right? And w- really, everybody knew that already. Everybody who was interested knew that. Um, but what we're now prepared to talk about are configurations. If you want to get NDA pricing, things like that, because we are we are bomb locked. We're ready. We're ready to go. Um, it is uh, just a really, really incredibly exciting time. So the, the guts of the, um, of the Azure Stack offering is based on Dell EMC, hyper-converged infrastructure. Um, we're going to market initially with the, uh, based on the, the kind of the workhorse of the PowerEdge line, uh, R730. Really dense, think you know, big hard drives with a bunch of SSDs for cash and a um, couple, couple sockets, right? And we'll do, go, go four to 12 nodes within a single scale unit. Very rapidly after that, toward the end of the year, we're going to be introducing a 14G platform, which people here at Dell EMC World learned a lot about. Um, it's going to give us a lot of density, um, like a 50, 40-50% uplift on, dense, on achievable density within these platforms. So that is also going to be very exciting. That should be around at the end of the year. So really very cool stuff. 
So, so is your first launch on on 14G or on existing 13G? 13G, yeah, okay, 13G. great. It's good to know. So, 13G, and then quickly thereafter, 14G. Yeah, you're probably already working on this it. This is an integrated. Yeah, we, yeah, you're exactly right. We have two work streams going on, um, and the reality is is that there's a lot. Th this is delivered by all of the OEMs as an integrated system. So, the Pearly based platform on on what on which our 14G is based, um, that's being worked uh, with us and Intel and um, and getting it qualified with Azure Stack. But there's some very, very tight validation that happens um, in order to deliver a, a Dell EMC Azure Stack. And they're asking all the, the lift for all of the OEMs is actually pretty high in order to get these things validated. And there's there's not a, my understanding is, and again, you know, you've been correcting me all day, don't stop now. Um, <laughs> my understanding is there's um, not a ton of people who will be putting this out. I mean, like, you know, organization-wise, there's not, like, yeah. it's not 50, it's like three to five. That's correct. Um, so the launch partners are HPE, Lenovo, and ourselves. Um, and quickly after that, there will be Cisco. Microsoft is interested in building an ecosystem, and uh, you can't, you can't build an ecosystem around two hardware vendors, right? And you can't build an ecosystem if you're just going exclusive with one hardware vendor. And uh, so we'd expect that to grow, but I don't expect the uh, rigor with which the engineered platform is delivered to loosen up. I expect it to be, I expect it to continue to be an engineered platform. And is there an expectation from Microsoft on all these vendors to have a certain level of uh, turnkey uh, delivery on this. And then on top of that, uh, how far and above might you be on that turnkey experience? Yeah. Like, is, there, is there a baseline and then um, what you're doing might be higher because you believe in X, Y, and Z? Or does everybody have to meet the same baseline and that's all they do? Everybody has to meet a certain baseline, has to run through a validation test. If you, you know, think back to you know, like the 2003 days building Windows clusters. And, you know, it was very, you know, hardware compatibility lists were very tight. And the, the minimum the minimum to get into the club was to get into Windows catalog. And then you had to, you had to gather it up and, and then qualify that as a cluster, right? So that's really the minimum line. And we're delivering that. The reason that it's, it's kind of a step above that is because it's also inclusive of network. All of the OEMs are are expected to deliver network along with with Azure Stack because that's an important component. Um, now, what we end up doing because of our our heritage and experience delivering integrated platforms, validated it goes well beyond just a validated solution. We take it to the next step. We do hardware engineering. It's all. Um, it's it's not just kind of assembled in a factory. We do rack level testing and things like that, um, environmental testing, bringing a lot, a lot uh, a higher bar in order to deliver a, uh, a more more predictable experience, as well as uh, just in general the support experience afterward, um, and how we how we do, for example, our our field replaceable units how do we what's that experience like we have a lot of that we we deliver a lot of that in a very different way than our competitors well let's talk about that right so you just talked about the fru's how are we going to differentiate ourselves or how's dell emc going to differentiate themselves from the hps the lenovo's the right. cisco's of the world right. so we we start out with just uh our, our engineering practices and experiences delivering converged platforms Turns out this is not falling off a rock kind of easy. It's uh, it's actually it's a learning experience, and we have eight years of learning that uh, that that our competitors don't. We have a lot more success in this integrated systems marketplace than our competitors have. Um, so that's the core of it. But more importantly, it's our portfolio is extremely critical to our differentiation. So if you think about things like uh, backup, Azure Stack, Azure Backup is not part of Azure Stack. 
won't be able to do any tenant level backup. If in order to do backup, you got to go through the tenants, your your installing agents and the tenants and things like that, and you're basically managing it the same way that you would manage a physical infrastructure. We will be able to because we have assets and intellectual property. We'll be able to do things like networker um, and automate that and bring that into the port into the um, into the platform. And enable user stories like, okay, I want to right-click on a on Brent's uh, on Brent's subscription and protect all of his virtual machines. Another area where we're going to be focusing is security, things like Secure VM um, that that just don't exist right in other with other OEMs that we're competing with. And uh, you know, you think about the rest of our portfolio offerings. Um, those are going to allow us to differentiate ourselves over the long term. So you think of that Azure Resource Manager layer. We're differentiating on the platform itself by offering, you know, a, a very, very tight, well-honed experience, as well as the portfolio that differentiates above that Azure Resource Manager line. So, so we, we brought it up earlier. We, we talked about VMware, Cloud Foundation, that kind of stuff. Um, being that you know we've got a, a big you know, stake in, in VMware and our partnership with them, and especially with the Converge systems and some of the systems that we're looking to build Azure Stack on, what's the what's the buzz in the field and from you know maybe leadership about is there is there any consternation around this and our go to market with so tightly owned with infrastructure as a service and a platform kind of Azure yeah, Service Stack? Yeah, yeah. I mean it's. On paper, it looks like it overlaps a lot, but then people spend some time looking at the kinds of use cases that Microsoft is talking about. Um, this is really appearing to be much more, after some investigations, much more of an and than an or. Remember, six and a half, average of six and a half cloud, cloud relationships per enterprise, right? Um, these are, this is very much an and. Um, and I think that the problems that customers have solved with uh, VMware are different than the problems that people are looking to solve with Azure Stack. And so I think that as we go to market and as we pe see people, how they're actually using it, that consternation is going to disappear, in my opinion. Okay, good. So uh, we're getting ready to wrap up. We're, we're, we want to be re respectful of your time. What have we missed? Oh geez, I don't know. Um, uh, the more, the, the probably the, the more relevant question is, what have I missed? <laughs> um, we are uh, we are really really just excited about getting this thing out the door. Um, we will be ending up uh, probably shipping um, production ready systems later on this year, um, and uh, you know we've talked I guess about the developer platform. That is uh, something that we can. You know, if uh, if you're looking for a turnkey solution to get started and figuring out how um, how Azure resource regions look in your in your data center, how it plugs into Active Directory, all of those cool things, how it might work in a completely disconnected scenario, um, get an Azure Stack Developer Edition from us, and uh, or two, and uh, and and get started. It's a really cheap and easy way to get. Get in there. Now, if, if they just want to download the TP3 bits, absolutely can do the yeah, same thing. Yeah, there's community support for it. Yeah, okay. yeah. The, the the advantage of getting kind of a um, a predictable platform is that it's community support, and so when you're when you have a failed install, you don't know whether it's a problem with Azure Stack or because you have some sort of weird thing in your computer, you know. And so getting it from one of the OEMs like Dell EMC gives you. You know, well, it's probably not the platform. It's probably not the hardware. Fair enough. And so what's the best way that customers and listeners can learn about this? Uh, so uh, follow me on Twitter, of course. No, I, I, I do tweet a lot, uh, mostly about Azure Stack, but some I have a lot of random stuff in my feed. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> What's your handle? <laughs> it's Paul Galgen, my first and last name, G-A-L-J-A-N. Um, but there's also, there's Microsoft, one of the things they do really well they do a lot of uh, field enablement that is massively scalable. Um, there's already documentation out there on Azure Stack. Um, you go to Channel 9, 
Um, that's their that's their kind of community uh, for videos. That's where they put up all their videos from Ignite and sessions and things like that. And they have the Microsoft Virtual Academy. Um, just all these great free ways to learn about things. And there are literally, you could spend weeks just watching videos and learning about Azure Stack um, just from Microsoft. They do a fantastic job with it. Awesome. So, uh Obviously, you're here this week at Dell EMC World. We're shutting that down. When and where can we find you or a member of your team next talking about this new partnership between Microsoft and Dell EMC? So uh, a couple big events coming up. We've got Inspire in Washington, D.C., the, the kind of partner conference. It's actually turning out to be pretty big. That's, uh, I think, in July. And then uh, Ignite in September, before you know it. And then we are shipping gear. Uh, it's going to be... Uh, I think particularly Ignite, but to, to a certain extent, Inspire are, are, are massive. And going on right now, kind of unfortunately conflicting, is the Microsoft Build event, which is their developer-focused event. Um, there's been a lot of buzz around, around Stack. So keep ch checking back on Channel 9 because they'll have sessions from Build on Channel 9. Fair enough. So cool. This is a question. It doesn't have to be related to technology or the industry, but we like to ask our guests what books you're reading or sites maybe we could go to, but what inspires you, man? What are the things that are, you know, you're spending your free time reading? Uh, so I'm spending, a, I, I, I do read a lot. Um, I, I'm reading right now history books because I, I have a history degree and I'm, um, I'm just having a lot of fun with that, but uh, trying to disengage, not think about Azure Stack as much. Um, yeah, so, so good Paul hunting, right? You're like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's. I mean, like, what book? Like, come on, historians. You know, what? There's, I know, I know a person who loves history who listens to the podcast, and I also happen to work for him. So, give me a history book, man. Oh, uh, the the, the Richard Rhodes book on the A bomb development oh, is see? phenomenal. Yeah, and I've read that three times. I'm in the midst of rereading. I, I think so. right now is a very key time to understand things about <laughs> atomic bombs. So, yeah, it's great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So to all of our listeners out there, thank you for joining us today. Uh, let us know how we did today and uh, all the other podcasts. And we want to hear uh, your feedback, what you want to hear more about. And uh, send us topic ideas because we, we love getting those and we get good guests on. So with that, we're going to shut down the hot aisle today. I'm Brett Piotti. I'm Brian Carpenter. And Mr. Paul Galgen, thank you for being on today. Uh, it's been an honor. Thanks, fellas. Love you. Mean it. <laughs>